What's good, everybody? I'm John Zastrzemski, host of New York, New York with JJ, the first podcast on The Ringer and Spotify dedicated to you, the New York sports fan. We've got episodes three nights a week, plus bonus episodes whenever news breaks. So make sure you follow the show on Spotify. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Chicago everywhere, check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome into episode 39 of The Full Goal Podcast with Jason Golf. I am Jason Golf. Brought to you by The Ringer. Of course, Spotify is the gang. Chris Tannehill, Jesse Lopez, Steve Rudy, rolling with me as always. And guys, I'm telling you now, if you've never had a child, well, wait. All right. Make sure that you, you, you do what you're supposed to do financially and taking care of business. But if, you, if you've never had a child and you were thinking, oh, man, I can't wait for that first time that I take my child to a game. Well, I got a chance to do that tonight. Uh, as we were recording here on, what is it, Tuesday night? Yeah, I believe it's Tuesday night. Uh, the Blackhawks and the Blue Shirts, the New York Rangers in town. Original six matchup. Uh, it was my son's first hockey game. And I want to thank Will and everybody over at the Blackhawks for uh, accommodating us uh, and, and looking out for us. Uh, it was me, my lady Pia, and my little guy Jace. And it, it started out a little rocky. It started out a little rocky because my guy does not like things that are unfamiliar to him. As you guys out there understand who have infants or toddlers or whatever the case may be, you know that they like to watch the same thing 7,000 times in a row. And when there's something new being introduced, you know that there might be a little hesitation. So we had to warm this man up and told him, hey, I got a surprise for you. I told him where the surprise was. We we tried to tell him where the surprise was. And he said, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. And I'm like, oh, no, these tickets are going to go to waste. But we played some Christmas music on the way to the game and got my man in tip-top shape. It's a little cold outside. We went into the the uh, the, the team store, the Madhouse store right there next to the atrium at the United Center. Walked around. He wanted to buy a basketball because he understands what kind of family this is. But I, I told him to stay away from the basketball and try to keep his mind on hockey. Got himself a jersey. Got a hat before the night was out. Got a hockey stick that he's currently, uh, you know, sleeping next to, I believe, or, or, or um, I think it's underneath his bunk bed. But whatever the case may be, it, it was a chance for me to see 
sports through my little guy's eyes for the first time. And I'll be honest with you, he didn't watch any of the game. And anybody who's lying to you and going to tell you that there's these magical moments where you look down and you are explaining the game. Yeah, there was a few of those. But my guy was all about the, uh, the, the theater of the situation, like the the movements and the sounds and and the ovations. And of course, the the national anthem and all these things put together. And then he yelled out at one point, I want the Rangers to win, daddy. So that that I'm sure endeared <laughs> everyone that is sure that endeared that endeared me to everybody who was wondering Hey, look at this! Look at this little black family hanging out at a, at a Blackhawks game. All of a sudden, we're Rangers fans because my guy had already pledged his allegiance. Uh, shout out to the kids in front of us who were in the Henry Lundqvist uh, jerseys, uh, who looked back when my kid said that he wanted the Rangers to win and kind of gave him a smile and a nod because uh, there was a lot of kids in the crowd. But it was cool to see. It was cool to see. Um, you know, I, I've been able to. Uh, be fortunate enough to do the pre and post game show for the Chicago Bulls and the NBC Sports Chicago uh, for the last two and a half years. And in that time, my son has never come out to a game, obviously a pandemic. And then before that, you know, his mom was a little worried that it would be sensory overload. And, you know, it's kind of hard to corral a toddler when you're solo uh, as she would be if, if, uh, if she came to the game when I was working it. So, um, but this is a new day, man, and this is a new kid, and he's getting ready to be five on the 16th. So I'm like, let's get him out to his first hockey game, and I'll be damned if he didn't have a great time. Uh, hockey is the sport to take a, a kid to, by the way, because there there aren't that many stoppages, and when there are, it's loud. Uh, basketball is stoppages here and there, and it's loud in the United Center when there's basketball going on. But the hockey, hockey's got a different flair, different motion. Uh, you know, the, the the symmetry and the geometry of the game is amazing to watch because he's asking, OK, why aren't they down at this side of the ice? I'm like, they don't have the puck, buddy. So it was, it was cool to see his uh, first sporting event through his eyes. Uh, it was a 2-2 game when we bounced. It was his bedtime. I had to come up and, and, and cut the pod. So, you know, we didn't want to stay too late. Plus, you don't want to deal with a whole bunch of traffic leaving out of there with a little person. So it was it was a good experience. I, I think this was an A plus in terms of experiences for the first time, because I got to be honest with you. I don't remember the first game that I went to with my pops. And I know my dad was always working. And I know he he always looked out like I remember Bears games I was going to, but I don't remember that exact first game. Right. I remember I remember my first baseball game uh, was Ishmael Valdez against Kevin Tappany. A Dodgers versus Cubs game was my first baseball game. If if you if you want to believe it or not, uh, me being a Sox fan, I didn't get to a, a Sox game until a little bit after that. But, yeah, it was it was cool. And I don't know if what I was expecting the moment to be like, we took a lot of pictures. He, he ate, you know, a hot dog and a half and all the candy that he possibly could. But it was one of those things where I was like, all right, this is off the checklist. And it went OK. It went OK. Now, as we're taping, the, the, the Hawks are wrapping up. I don't even know who won the game. And I got to be honest with you, I don't really give a damn. It was a, it was a victory. We got the kid home without uh, a mess. Without a tantrum, without a meltdown, I, I think that's a win in my book. My lady Pia is um she is a saint when it comes to my little guy. So they they have a a different kind of connection, right? Because she's always down for the frivolity and the you know the talking in terms of kid kid like activities. Because Jace has a, a million and one questions, and after the second one, I'm like, hey man, I don't know. You know, I, I give him my phone and say, hey, Google it, figure it out your damn self. I can't help you, but. All in all, the Brothers for Hockey have has now received another generation, another participant. Uh, my man 
Tanny looked at me and said, I want to play hockey. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'll see how you feel next week, but yeah, I'll get you some skates playing. Uh, I know this is a fad. I know at some point you're going you're gonna to look around and, and realize, oh, maybe not. Hey, that's maybe not your not. responsibility as a dad. Your responsibility is to open the doors and open their eyes to new things. And right now he wants to be a hockey player. He may wake up and be like, daddy, what's a stick doing in my room? Get me yeah. out of here, you know, but it's going to happen. But you introduced him to a new experience. And I remember what it was like, you know, it's, it's, experiences are a little bit different than when we were growing up. I remember practically being raised up there in the old Chicago stadium and mm-hmm. the old 300 level up there. Yeah. Smoking cigars and cigarettes and the, fights. You know, the type of shit you would hear, you know, the staircase smell <laughs> like this, you know, like, I was like it was a rugged environment, but it's like growing best, up in the Bronx. Exactly. But some of the best <laughs> times though, in my life though, man, so that, that was good stuff. I think that's like you said, man, that's a win right there. It sounds like yeah. you had an awesome time. And, and I think they've, they've dialed back some of the sensory overload stuff, I think just by experience because anyone with a young kid can relate, but I think they've sort of made it a little bit more uh, welcoming, I think, to, to the younger crowd, knowing that they're going to have to get some uh, new generation of fans. So I'm glad he had a good time, man. But that's, there's, there's nothing quite like live hockey. It's been too long for me, no. but it but sounds like you guys had a blast. And that's all. No, he was, he was enamored at how fast it was moving. And I'm like, yeah, I still man, am. You I've been watching eyes. it for exactly. half my life, but I'm still enamored by it. <laughs> Hey, w- w- worst of the four major sports on television, probably the best live, though. Um, it, it, like I said, it's it's like watching like a flock of birds moving, you know, and then all of a sudden they, they bank that hard left. And you're like, that's beautiful. You know, it's nature and, and it's it's, you know, uh, it's exact. It's measured. Uh, it's pinpoint. Right. And just the hand eye coordination. Right. We, we talked about almost every because obviously Pia didn't know half the, the terms. Right. She's asking what, you know, what SOG stood for and all these other things. So I'm, I'm running down the line of what things mean. Also, while trying to keep my eye on the game. Uh, but it was it was a great experience. And I, I implore anybody out there, if you've got the resources, if you've got the funds, if you've got the time, if you got a hookup, whatever it may be, um, and, and you're being safe about it, get your kid out to a game, you know, especially in these times where we don't know if we might have to go back inside or, you know, postponements of games. I mean, hell, you take a look at the Chicago Bulls right now. They're down four players. They're down four players. And, and, and they've had four players have COVID so far in this early going. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to get all cryptic and, and, and morbid, but you, know, you, you don't know, you don't know how much time you got. So enjoy it as much as you possibly can and as an athlete, as a person, as a family man, as, as a family woman, whatever the case may be. And tonight was one of those nights where I felt I, as a dad, Chris, I, I, and I know you have the same kind of like samurai's death that you give yourself when you when you mess up or when you do anything professionally. So I can only understand what it may be personally. And I got the same kind of vibes. And there are moments where you're like, all right, man, I didn't I didn't fuck this one up. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't know if it went well. I don't know if it was great, but it was one of those yeah. things where I'm gonna look back and be like, hey man, remember that time I didn't fuck up taking you to the hockey game? That was cool, wasn't it? Like that's how I'm gonna yeah, remember you, tonight. Yeah, I didn't I didn't lose you. You know, you had a great time. You know, it's that moment, right? When you're on your way back, it's late at night, you take a look back there in the car seat, and you know, like my daughter's got a, the socks hat on, she's got a number one foam finger, you know, she's got some like you know, half a cotton candy that she couldn't finish. And 
and just fast asleep in the car on the way home. That's when you know, like, okay, <laughs> we did a good job. All right. That was some top-notch dadding uh, from a guy right here. So th- those, those things, really, it, it's hard to mess that up. You know, so, again, you just don't, just don't lose them there. You know, that's all you have to do and they'll have a good time. I, I don't ever remember having a bad experience with my pops at any sporting event, you know, and then, and we've gone to bears games when it was freezing cold yeah. out. We've yeah. seen some, you know, uh, bad Sox games <laughs> over the years, but I've never had a bad experience. <laughs> oh. so, you know, I, so I think you did all right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so, man, because I think about the times I went with my dad to Bears games. First of all, he got the tickets from the gig, and we knew it was going to be September only. Don't you ask after October. It's too cold out here. I'm not driving all the way down here. Lakeshore Drive ain't that convenient either way in and out. Like, we was leaving at the third quarter. It's a, it's a nail-biter of a football game. It's like, hey, man, we got to we gotta beat this traffic, fam. It was, it was you know how, like, pit crews get ready and, and like, you know, they're, they're, like, they're super Super Bowl is every time there's a pit stop. My pop's Super Bowl was every time he could think that I could beat the traffic out this bitch. <laughs> I could, <laughs> I could, I could get home seven minutes earlier than I would have if I stayed after the and day. Now you, you get know? it, don't you? Now you get it. As dads, oh, yeah. we get it one hundred percent. You're like, ooh, oh, yeah. where's my my spot here in relation to where this <laughs> this exit is on this parking lot? You know, like, and, and, and as you, a brother, you know, I'm backing into everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Military style, baby. You know oh yeah. <laughs> to hell with your signs of don't back into this parking space. How am I supposed to get out of here quickly if they start shooting? Fuck out of here. <laughs> you know? And I know I know it's not supposed to happen at the hockey game, but, you know, where the things have happened. I need to get up out of here. If I got to break a left, if I got to skirt, skirt, then I can't do it doing a 15-point turn backing out because I got a Subaru and a Hyundai on either side of me. You know what I mean? Like, these are the things we think about as pops. So, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy myself. I enjoy myself. And the best part is he looked at me and he's like, man, this is where the Bulls play, too? I'm like, yeah, Jay, this is where the Bulls play, too. He was like, wow. I'm like, isn't it crazy? Like, they both play in this same building. So, yeah, every once in a while, you, you can un... Uh, you can unjade yourself if that's a word. I don't care if it isn't. It's late, you know. I'm 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 hyped up on the pizza and skittles. So if unjade yourself isn't a word, damn it, I unjaded myself a little bit tonight with all the all the the, the belly aching and the 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 misery and the heartaches about this Bears football team. Like the Bulls are handling business. They 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 beat a really really decent Denver team. They the, the reigning MVP. If you want to go back and watch that game, Nikola Vucevic handed it to him. And I know it was, he got a triple double, but his he, he Mike Malone, his head coach, even said that he didn't think that Nikola Jokic played uh, as well as he could have uh, the other night. So you know the Bulls are holding it down as as far as long as they can. Because they are they are uh, short of bodies right now, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of feel good stories in this city, man, and you just got to find them. The Bulls right now are one of them. Io DeSumo is one of them. Uh, Zach Levine kind of being a leader while playing the Robin role is one of them. So some cool things happening in that building, and especially uh, a cool one for not only uh, me tonight, but hopefully for my little guy for the foreseeable future. Our first game wasn't a, a, a Cubs game. It wasn't a Sox game. It wasn't a Bulls game. It was a Blackhawks game, and, and he enjoyed it. Um, you got him a lot now, more than our dads would have gotten us. You got him a, oh, a, a jersey, right? A, 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 a jersey, stick. a hat, a oh. foam finger. Are you kidding a me? Stick. 
Oh yeah, 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 exactly. You know, all I'm trying to do is is a pops is right the wrongs of dad's past. You know what I mean? My dad, my grandfathers. You know, you know the the guys who could have could have you know gave a kid an extra jelly bean or an extra five bucks here or there. But you know they 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 were raised to to restrict, and I am not raising mine to do so. Hey, if we got it, we got it, and let's enjoy our lives while we got it. But he uh he is he's not shy. By the way, he he loves asking for things. So. <laughs> As as long as Daddy can supply, and as long as Dollar Bill Simmons and the Ringer will have me, we'll, we'll enjoy more things like this. And I, and I hope I hope the people at Spotify and Bill Simmons will be listening to this the next time they think about my contract. Make sure that you keep a five year old Jason mine as well. Yeah, that that'll 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 tug at the heartstrings long enough before the pink slip gets here. But no, seriously though, it was um it was a blast. Uh, I, I hope my little guy had as much fun as I had watching him. Uh, and you know, this is one of those moments that as a dad, um, you know, prom and, and, and driving, you know, the car for the first time and all those cool things, like his first little heartbreak, all those things are going to happen. Sports fans, like we, we've lived our lives, right? I'm 40 and I'm looking forward to whatever he's going to to get a chance to experience. Of course, there's championships on the way at some point in his lifetime, but to have little moments and to have sports be the backdrop, which is why I think this thing has been so special to me since I was a child, because it was the way that I communicated to people who weren't my friends and made them my friends, which was through sports. And it was the way that I listened to guys and girls who had the microphone in this city and other cities, right? I mean, I used to go to New York and, and go to my grandmother's house and listen to Tony Page overnights uh, on WFAN, right? Like, I, 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 Sid Rosenberg in Miami was my guy, right? Like, I'd listen to Philadelphia overnight radio. I'd, I'd listen to, of course, here locally, both sports stations and sports was the connector no matter what you were white black um asian native american uh latina latina x latinx whatever you were it was it was um the common bond and now that we're in a muddied and sometimes uncivil society we we kind of forget that that common bond still still holds us enough you know, it separates us a lot because you find out how people feel through sports, but sports always make you feel. And tonight it made us feel as a family and it made my guy feel hopefully what I felt. So it was cool to watch that. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if the Hawks won or not as we're taping here, but uh, we got a win in the golf household and we keep getting wins because the Bulls keep on winning and the Bears keep on bears. And it's it's OK. It's all right. So. Um, shout out to the Chicago Blackhawks and and that experience this evening and looking forward to many, many more, especially as the winter months uh, are here and, and it gets a little colder. We're going to be bunkered in. So the times that we can get out, I truly, truly cherish. So that little guy that you guys hear singing Bear Down every once in a while or that you hear on this pod when when Jesse and Chris um, splice it up and edit it up and you hear him at the end. Uh, he sounded like that tonight. He sounded like a, a happy little boy, and and that's that's all my heart needed. So, um, it was a good night. It was a good night, and that's 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 all I can say. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Feels good to be home in Chicago. And when we picked this beautiful theater for this special, I told my father, you know, I'm gonna do the special. In Chicago, I'm gonna do it downtown. He didn't say, you know, I'm proud of you, congratulations. He said, where are these people gonna park? Get home, when I get home, you wind down a little bit, and you know you're getting ready to talk to one of the, one of the comedy giants in the business. Uh, I went straight to Ben. And I'm not worried about Sean. I'm worried about interviewing Sebastian Maniscalco right here on the Full Gold Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. Sebastian, uh, thank you for jumping on with us. You're, you're getting ready to do your sixth special, right? This is the this is the sixth time you've taken this thing on the road on a grand scale. Uh, the Nobody Does This Tour. The December 11th show, I know, is already sold out, but there's still tickets for the December 12th show at the United Center. I'm going to try to be in the house. That's uh, that's the night of my, my kid's birthday party, but I'm going to try to sneak over there to the United Center. Uh, I want to ask you, though, you know, Chicagoland guy, Arlington Heights, Mount Prospect, uh, Northern Illinois University, right? You graduated in 95. You go out to L.A. in 98. I'm always interested, though, in the the three years that you were deciding to do what you needed to do to, to jumpstart this thing. What, what happened between 95 and 98 for you? So I graduated. I, I started working at United Airlines Employees Credit Union in the, in the Chicagoland area. And then I was working in Schaumburg at a place called The Living Room, which was a nightclub. Uh, and I was trying to save enough money to move out to Los Angeles to start a, a, a career. So I didn't want to I didn't want to come out here with no money, sleep on people's couches. That's kind of not who I who I am. So I saved about 10 grand and I moved out here in uh, March of 98. And then just, you know, did comedy clubs, did the restaurant, whatever, whatever there was comedy, I was doing it. And uh, it took a while to build because there was no real TV or movie uh, that really catapulted me into arenas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was doing Zanies uh, comedy club there on Wells uh, Mm -hmm. on a Wednesday with 12 people there. So it was just a slow build for me. And now... Doing two United centers, it's, I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, I grew up in Arlington Heights, and that's my hometown. But to come and and fill this United Center, and and for me, it, talk about sports, you know, so where you know Michael Jordan won championships, and uh, and uh, it's 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 crazy that uh, I mean I, when I did it last time, I had to pinch myself. Now I I got to pinch myself twice. You, you know, it's it's crazy that you mentioned the the intimate settings as opposed to the giant arenas. The arenas. That's the success, right? That's when you're like, okay, I'm I'm here, and this is what it's supposed to be. This is what I envision. But uh, as a performer, would you would you rather see each one of the smiles or feel like, okay, I made that person laugh who's been sitting there, you know, mad as hell this entire night, saying, hey, make me laugh, funny man. I made that guy laugh, and I can look him in the fucking eye. Or does the 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 collective roar of a crowd or them, you know, character just keying in on one facial expression is that like is it bigger for you when it's in an arena or is it is it more um i don't know is it is is the art felt and does it resonate more when it's in an intimate crowd intimate setting for you 
For me, uh, you know, there's nothing better than a 150-seat comedy club uh, at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and people drinking and, and they're right on top of you. It's the best. You, you can't beat it. Uh, you know, in an arena, it's it's a, it's a little different. You you lose that intimacy, uh, but then you got a layer of energy that I don't think is, you know, you could really... When you step on stage and 18,000 people give you a, a roar of applause and it, there's nothing like it. You're not going to get that in a, in a comedy club. Um, so, yeah, there's there's differences. There's different nuances about doing stand up in a, in a large arena opposed to a, uh, a comedy club. And I like both. But if you gave me a choice, I, I would go with the comedy club all day long. It's just that I would have to basically do three months worth of shows in a comedy club. <laughs> to do uh, what I do in an arena. So when, you, when your comedy comes to you, when the jokes come to you, how do you, do you reverse engineer it? Is it a moment where it's like, okay, I got to write this down? Do you, do you keep a notepad? What, what's the process like for you to just find that frequency to open everybody's like little laugh veins up? Yeah, for me, it's nothing, uh, no, no uh, writing, nothing like that. I go to the comedy club at night and I just tell stories. I'm a storyteller. So if something happens, like I'm dropping my kids off at school, uh, you know, something might happen there at school with a parent. Uh, basically, this is how it works. I was telling my wife yesterday, when I go to school, I go in, in and out like a, like a Navy SEAL to pick up my, <laughs> my son, right? I don't talk to parents and whatnot. My wife, she's going through, it's like a social hour, you know? Oh, hi, we're baking cookies. Let's get in the car and let's get out of here, you know? So it, I'll, I'll go and work that out on stage tonight and, you know, record it and I'll come back, I'll listen to it and I'll like add or subtract. But I don't sit with a pen and paper and, and write like set up jokes. It's just not my style. Uh, I, it's more of, I'll call my mom and I'll tell her a story. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Let me Let me try that on stage tonight. So when you're working on a special and you're trying things out or maybe it's in your head and you're just storing them there, how do you know, or I don't know, maybe how do you know is the wrong way to phrase it, but what makes you think, okay, this is the one? And, uh, you know, as a comedian telling thousands of jokes over your careers, is there a joke where you're like, yeah, that, that one I thought was the one, but obviously the results in the audience didn't uh, give me that backing. Like, are you, are you finding that you you question certain things when you when you when you hit them and they don't land or it's like you know what you're the wrong audience for this that shit's funny as hell no matter what mm, no the uh, the audience is pretty honest uh, so there are times where you think oh this is funny and then you do it and you're like a lot of it has to do with commitment though uh, if, if you commit to the bit and you believe in it I, I think it definitely works. Yes, there's moments where an idea falls short or maybe it's just not working or the, the, the bit doesn't have enough layers to it where you abandon it. Uh, but for the most part, my bits are tested kind of in daily storytelling. It's not like you talk to comedians, you know, sometimes they're going into a bit or something. Um, for me, I don't think that's the case. I'll be just telling a story to my mother, say, and she'll go, oh, my God, you got to put this in the act. This is so funny. <laughs> it's just kind of happening out of natural, organic storytelling rather than, OK, I'm going to, to, to be funny now. It's just it, for me, it's more of a natural storytelling. 
the climate that we're in now, a lot of comedians are talking about, you know, not being able to get off the stuff that they're used to getting off or be as edgy or as um, uh, aggressive. And, and I like uncomfortable comedy. It's the same way I like fun, physical, you know, damn near innocent comedy. There's different bags for different people, and I appreciate all of them. The fact that you can make something involuntary, you know, snatch it out of somebody and make them laugh, I think is an art in itself. But is it... it are we in a place of the evolution of comedy or is it comedians documenting the times that we're in and these things are important? And even if you have some kind of professional discomfort or, you know, the, the, the consumer has a little bit discomfort, it's okay because this is what needs to be said at the time. Like how do you, how do comedians and how do you, how do you kind of navigate those waters when we're in these times where it's like, okay, I, I know sometimes I laugh at shit and I'm like, I don't know if I should have laughed at it, but it made me laugh. Right. And, and I know people don't always, feel that way so how do you as a comedian digest the times that we're in and, and the jokes that can be told as opposed to the jokes that should be told yeah i don't know i feel like as soon as you start editing yourself as a comedian it doesn't become funny anymore and i'm really kind of uh just i'm doing what i'm doing if you like it great if you don't then what, what am i gonna I, you can't make everybody happy i mean whatever profession you're in whether you're doing a podcast whether you're doing you're doing a movie role and you're taking on some sensitive subjects, people are going to be bent out of shape no matter what. So for me, it's like, and, and I've been doing these shows and from my, from where I'm sitting, people are dying for you to be unedited, unfiltered. They, they're actually more appreciative. I don't know who this segment of society is out there that's so sensitive and bent out of shape that they really can't digest sarcasm or comedy in a way where it, it should be. Uh, it's just unfortunate that uh, those, those, those minority of people seem to be really loud and uh, want to voice their opinion. But for the most part, I'm seeing the, the majority of people, uh, especially in this pandemic, the people have been cooped up inside. They've lost their jobs, lost family members, whatnot. They're looking for an escape. They're looking to laugh. And I'm finding comedy more than ever is, is something that people are turning to to uh, forget and uh, have some type of relief. So I'm reading and I'm looking at your, your projects. And by the way, dude, I, I have no idea like when you sleep, how you, how, how you take care, when you take care of the family, when you take care of yourself because of how busy you, you always are. But I, having Robert De Niro play your dad, uh, how, how, how do you... How do you instruct one of the legendary actors in terms of, I know who you're playing and maybe dad is on set. He knows who you're playing. So do it like this, as opposed to letting him get the information and, and, and running with what essentially is not just a character, but somebody that's, that's uh, very close to you. My dad went to Oklahoma to spend a weekend with De Niro on the set of his other movie. So, cause De Niro wanted to, Talk to my dad. How do you smoke the cigar? Or what's right. in your wallet? You know, De Niro's one of these actors that wants to get all the nuances. My dad is a beautician. My dad came to set to teach De Niro how to, to do a dye job. And, uh, of course, my dad is losing out on clients because he's on set. He's asking me, what am I what am I getting paid here? My dad's looking for a salary. Look, what you're teaching De Niro how to do this, and it's enough. He goes, what are you enough? I'm losing money at the salon to come here. What am I getting? Right. So uh, Peel me off a G a week, and we can talk about it, right? 
Yeah, he, uh, it was nuts. It was nuts, nuts. I mean, listen, I grew up watching Robert De Niro and one of my favorite actors, and now he's playing my dad in a movie, which is something that I would never even have, have dreamt. Uh, so it was really, it was, listen, I had a lot of anxiety doing this it's something i don't do on a on a day-to-day basis acting and now i'm working with arguably one of the best of to ever do it in our generation so uh yeah it was it was you know there's there a i had to get emotional in the movie it's a comedy but there's there's hints of uh um it's a romantic comedy basically uh, about a father and a son and, and there's hints of uh, some emotion in there and i'm just like man you know, I, gotta, I gotta cry in front of de niro can i do this so uh it was it was definitely something that i enjoyed doing but movie making itself it's for the birds i yeah it, it's it's boring it's if hey listen for a stand-up comedy who goes out and gets instant boom yeah. I'm, I'm giving it to you you're giving it right back and then i'm doing a movie yeah. and then yell cut and i'm looking around and i go nothing i mean you know <laughs> no applause uh, yeah right <laughs> It's it's a little difficult to get used to, but it was definitely a learning experience. All right, the Nobody Does This tour. What what is it that Nobody Does that you're about to uh, relay and and put on the exhibit for everybody? It came out of the pandemic, this Nobody Does This. I I was doing like mundane things, like cooking breakfast for my family, or I would be playing with my kids and I would turn to my wife. I go, no, no father does this. So it it, uh, that's kind of where it came out of. so uh, yeah, it's uh, we're looking forward to coming to Chicago and uh, and playing the United Center and uh, and uh, yeah, dude, that's so crazy that you just mentioned that because I you know, I run around here uh, and I, I tell my lady like who else right like who else will take their hands and wipe the sweat from the back of your knees and sniff it because they love you who else you know what I mean so I guess nobody does this and who else is the same kind of mantra Sebastian thank you so much for your time I know you're a busy man I know you got to run around and do a lot of press for this thing Saturday night I'm looking on with this I truly appreciate you brother the full goal with Jason Golf. Connect with the show 24-7 on the Full Gold voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. It's the Full Go. I'm Chris Tannehill, Jason Goff. Thank you, Vic Spencer. Again, that voicemail line, 773-359-3103, 773-359-3103. And it's been a while since we've touched base with our people, Jay. And yeah. sometimes you solicit a question and you, and you get some clunkers. You know, no one wanted to cop to being at that Bears game on Sunday. <laughs> um, and that's okay. We, we were able to get through it uh, without your contributions. But sometimes people just get caught up in in the hype of something good that's happening in sports in town. That, of course, is the Chicago Bulls. And we've got a lot of spirited questions and enthusiasm on the voicemail line today. So let's get right into it. Uh, this one from the 815. Luis Rodriguez, Chicago, Illinois, 60647. So we see the lineup that came out today. We expect Zach Levine to go for 40. He goes for a quiet 30. But what was the difference? Was it I.O.? Was it the defense? Was it Booch doing his job? What was it? Happy to hear. See y'all tomorrow. Good night. Shout out to Luis Rodriguez. You're my neck of the woods, man. Uh, what was the difference? This team is the difference, Luis. This ain't the same last couple of years. And, and if you listen to Zach Levine in the post game, uh, the game before the Nuggets game, uh, the Nets game, 
he said it and and he he said it with a way in a way i should say that it was pointed like he wanted people to hear it and he said this ain't last year's team we got a lot of guys who care about each other and no there are no agendas now i don't know who he's talking to but when a guy says that and then doubles down and answers another question by saying pretty much the same thing um Zach Levine is trying, and I won't say trying to, but he is dispelling any myths, uh, urban legends, rumors, whatever you thought about him that wasn't flattering. This year, uh, this year is kind of like the celebration of Zach to me. The last two years was the journey. And Zach Levine has carried a lot behind the scenes. Um, he's, he's bit his tongue a whole lot just because he wanted to show people that he was a leader. And, you know, he's a businessman. He's a professional. The, the difference between last year and this year is that Zach Levine understands where his offense is coming from, where what he's going to do with it, but he's got dogs running with him too. The, 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 a lot of times last year and the year before last, this team got punched in the mouth and just settled. I was like, okay, you guys got it. Thanks, thanks for the tough fight. Not this year. Derrick Jones Jr., Ayo uh, Desumu, there's a lot of guys who are trying to prove something. And when you got enough of those guys on the same team, as well as two talented or three talented or four talented guys or five talented guys like Caruso, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and DeMar DeRozan, yeah, you, you're going to be cooking with gas. They have the most wins in the Eastern Conference a, a, after that win last night. I mean, they're playing a brand of basketball, as Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago has written about and said repeatedly that that's going to travel. That's going to carry over. They, they started in the preseason, and people were like, oh, look at this team. It's kind of cute. It's the preseason, though. And now we're 25 games in, and they're still playing that same aggressive style. They don't back down from anybody. Their size deficiencies aren't hampering them enough that they're going to just be out of basketball games, and their shot-making ability keeps them in them. And the defense, it keeps them in them as well. And Lonzo Ball, I don't know if people are enjoying watching Lonzo Ball the way I am, but he is, the things that he thinks about and, and the precision with which he moves and the, the purpose with which he moves uh, is, is just fun to watch. He, he's everywhere he needs to be. Um, it, it, the thing that I like the most, especially over the last couple of days when it comes to Lonzo, is shooters are catching the ball in the shooting pocket, ready to roll. Like, the, what I love about LeBron is not just his passing ability, but his accuracy on his passes. When a guy didn't have to load up or catch it as his ankles and bring it up, like, the, the unnecessary steps that lead to a more efficient release, that helps the shooting percentage. That helps the shot maker. And that's exactly what Lonzo Ball is out here doing. He, guys are catching it in the pocket. Guys who aren't even catching shoot dudes, but if you catch it where you catch it and Lonzo Ball is delivering it there, you you got a split second to make your mind up and shoot it. And guys are shooting with confidence because they don't have to fumble with the ball. And just the little things, the tiny things that make the, the big things matter. And Alex Caruso not being out there, but going with a right hamstring strain and then being out for a week, but being reevaluated. It's, it's kind of that, that mood of how you going to go soft when everybody else is going hard. How, how are you not going to play defense when everybody else is doing what they're supposed to be doing? And I think everybody's pulling from the same end of the rope, and, and it's a fun squad to watch. So, yeah, Luis, the difference is this team is different. It's as simple as that. Jay, I got a, a, a meatball confession here. And uh, okay. when, 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 when Lonzo Ball came over and he was going to rock the number two, 
I, I don't know if I ever texted you. I was like, you know, take that number two off right now yeah. you know, because of our yeah. guy, Norm Van Leer wore the Shout number out to two. Norm. And, he, and he wore it with pride for many years for the Bulls. But Lonzo has carried that number and he's been, I think, a player that Norm would be proud of. Tough, oh, yeah. unselfish. He's got a little bit of that killer instinct to him. Like he's just been quite a revelation, man, for for these Bulls. And and you, I see that number two now, and I don't have to think those thoughts anymore. That just, yeah. just inside a Bulls meatball mind right there. But he's been he's been so much better than advertised, and better than I think anyone thought he was going to be. Or at least the fit is much better than than anyone thought it could be. I think with the with this core here. Um, but the next he's call, wanted. Yeah, he's wanted. Yeah, it makes a huge difference, right? Um, speaking of guys that are, that are wanted, and you know, this next call from the six three zero kind of wants to piggyback of what we were talking about with Zach Levine and how far he's come and where this team could possibly go. Okay. Hey, Jason, it's Luke calling in from the heart of Chicago here in River North. Just got done watching that Denver game, and you know, Zach keeps telling everybody in the, the post game press conferences, "This is a different team. This is a new energy. This is unlike any of the last." four or five years that he's been here. And tonight really signified that sort of talking point, that this really is a different energy, a different team. And one of my favorite tropes that's kind of developing throughout the season is the chip on the shoulder these guys are playing with every single night. Like, they got something to prove. And, I mean, it checks out. Zach's never had a winning season in his eight seasons as a professional. Zoe's on his third team in four years. Vooch never won anything in Orlando. You know, DeMar gets shipped the year before his franchise that he pretty much built on his shoulders with the championship. These guys, you know, talk about them being consummate professionals and obviously all-stars in their, their past life, in their past years, but it's just this collective energy of professionalism that has kind of developed this culture and obviously Billy Donovan, the coaching staff and all the way up to AK and Mark. It's just an energy that is unflappable. You feel it in the arena every night. And I just wanted to say how much fun it is watching this team every night, but especially the energy they bring on pretty much a consistent night to night basis that no matter who we're playing, no matter where, no matter when, no matter who's in the starting lineup, no matter who's not, we're going to bring it every single night. And to me, that's Chicago basketball. That dates back to the Tibbs era. That dates back to Jordan and Pippen getting it done every single night, no matter whether it was the Pippins or if it was Charlotte or, you know, a low-level Clippers team back in the 90s. This is a team that brings it every single night, and they represent Chicago on the hardwood every single night. Appreciate the call. Yeah. And, and people around the league are noticing, too. Right, that that Portland job opened up. Mark Eversley, it's gonna be hard to keep him. And it's not just the ties that he has to a lot of players through Nike. People understand the kind of architect that he can be. And it's a good thing when people are trying to poach your talent. And this is only what year two of your talent being here and, and actually showing people what the blueprint is. Um you, you it's it's a weird space for Bulls fans to be in because you, you got the comet that was Derrick Rose and that sunset a lot sooner than than it was supposed to. And then you had the tumult with Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau and Pax and Garfoman and all that stuff at the end. So it's kind of been a sour basketball taste for a while. And you were just trying to figure out when's the next good taste going to happen. Well, three alphas wasn't it either. Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, and Jimmy Butler. 
and Fred Hoiberg. And it's just just a whole bunch of things. Jim Boylan, then the Lowry and Wendell years where you're trying to figure out if these two big men could be the pillars of the cornerstones of a winning franchise. Zach Levine, empty calories. I was one of the guys who was like, what does he do besides score? Trying to figure out if matching that Sacramento offer sheet was smart or not. There's so many things that Bulls fans have gone through in a short amount of time. Like 2011, don't it's not that long ago, but it's it's 10 years of, I won't say downhill from there, but just not going uphill. And if you are going uphill, feeling like you got a couple of bulges in front of you and two strapped to your back as well, it, there's a there's a a free a, a freeness, a freedom that watching this team allows you to have where it's like it's not attached to Derek, it's not attached to Jimmy, it's not attached to Pax, it's not attached to some of the things that might make you decry whatever investment that you want to give. This is, this is like a free, um, uh, you know, willful investment. And it's paying dividends very early. And I think that's what Bulls fans are feeling right now. So, you know, enjoy it, man. Especially in a season like this where, because uh, this is the other side of the coin. The boys are using a lot of energy, exerting a lot of energy in the early going of this season, especially on the all these comebacks and some of the offense that that isn't ran, right? The 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 tough shots. I mean, Zach went off in that third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, he was gassed. And you could tell. And it's not because he's out of shape. It's just because they've been asked to do this a whole bunch in the early going of this season. Because they've been so many men down. Kobe White, Pat Williams, Alex Caruso now, uh, Javante Green. You know, uh, Vooch was out with COVID. DeMar DeRozan's going to miss a nice little stretch here with COVID. Like, they've been without so many pieces of their team that the other parts of the teams have to work so hard. I just hope that at the end of the season, this team isn't sputtering, trying to figure out how they can be the third or fourth seed. So um, this, this thing feels good, but we also have to be aware of what's happening and the status report as we go along. But it's good to have this kind of vibe going into uh, you know, the all-star break or, or whatever, you know, incremental point in the season that you might want to mark off to start believing. But it's okay to believe. And like I said, Phoenix Suns fans didn't know that they were going to be in the finals last year. It just happened to be because of the matchup and the way things break. And they felt like nobody could beat their team in a seven-game series. Well, Bulls fans, not saying that you're there yet. I said this last pod. Not saying that you're there yet. But I wouldn't be mad at you if you started to feel that way here in the next couple of weeks or so. Next one here, final Bulls call before we get to our guy Q with a pop culture thought. But, you know, we're entering the stage of uh, Bulls fandom here where people are starting to identify other guys on the roster that are not just guys that are in the starting five every day. You know, we're starting to find, like, you know, our hipster picks for our, our new oh, favorite yeah. player. Like, hey, I'm a Ronnie Brewer guy. You know, right, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you, but Kyle Korver, so he's a better defender than people are giving him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everybody picks their dude. Uh, if I get an Alex A. Johnson call, then they then that's uh, when we could just get the parade route started. I was going to say, like, you must be talking about Eastern Conference Finals at least yeah. <laughs> to get that phone call, but not quite, but this one uh, from the 312. Hey, Jason, you're the best. This is Abe, Twitter handle, Bulls in the City. Just wanted to get your take on Eric Jones Jr. We don't talk about him too much, but the guy's been really unbelievable this year and stepping up more than just as much as everyone. I'm just wondering, my question is, is how happy do you think he is in the position that he finds himself getting uh, um, knocked around by bigger guys every night and the mm. toll it's taking on his body? Um, everyone's talking about the Bulls needing a big. So uh, my question is, you know, uh, you think that Derek Jones is, is in the right place? And how do you see his role moving forward if the Bulls do get a big? 
Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call, brother. They do need a big. They need one in, a, in the worst way. Um, and that's why I say keep your eyes on that Sacramento situation. Uh, they, they need a guy who they can count on. Tony Bradley actually gave him a couple of good minutes the other night. Derek Jones Jr. is trying his hardest, you know. I mean, the dude is a, a springy athlete, you know, a, a weak side shot blocker, uh, a rim protector at times. Uh, but he's a guy, and, and you know, his, his jump shot seems more reliable than probably the numbers would belie, but he's a guy that is maybe 210 pounds soaking wet, six foot seven, six foot eight. You know, and that's that's just not going to cut it in the playoffs when you're banging up against Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond with the 76ers or, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, with the with the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, hell, LaMarcus Aldridge, even though he's a finesse big, he's still a guy who can go down and get you 10, 9 rebounds a game. That's the kind of guy you got to keep off the glass. That's the kind of guy you have to make sure that he's not hot. And he, Derek Jones Jr., you know what he is? He's the long reliever who keeps coming in and getting outs for you, right? But you, you don't want to start him, and you don't want to put him in that closing role. But you, you feel like, okay, if, if he keeps doing this, uh, I can elevate his role. Well, his role has been elevated at least twice already this season. That's why I would assume who is getting more minutes because Billy Donovan has fed guys steady minutes and then say, can you deal with him? Can you handle him? You know, Ayo Desumu went from a shot in the arm kind of guy, a, a, a burst of energy early on in the season to playing real minutes, closing out games against the Brooklyn Nets and then playing 42 minutes against the reigning MVP in the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, Billy Dobbins is going to continue to give these guys minutes, one, because he has to, and two, because they are eating them up and giving them productive um, you know, output. But Derrick Jones Jr., I do not envy his position at all because even in a league where small ball rules the day, uh, he's still got to go up against some guys who sometimes outweigh him by 50, 60 pounds and got three or four inches on him. But he's a fighter, just like everybody on that bench. There's not a soft cat on that bench. Alizé Johnson, you know, hell, Matt Thomas, I mean, Alex Caruso, uh, you know, Ayo DeSumo. Uh, there's not one dude on that bench that if you go into, a, a, you know, an alley with him, and you ain't going to come out getting your ass up, to put it like that. Them dudes are going to go hard for you. And Javante Green, another one of those guys, like, they got a bunch of guys from a lot of different teams from around the league. It's, it's like a similar in the bullpen, right, Tanny, where you're like, ah, I don't, you know, every two or three years you got to mix this thing up because you don't know how many bullpen arms are going to stay uh, as viable as you need them to. Every two or three years you got to mix a bench up. You don't always get a, a cast of tough characters like this team has. They may not all be the most skilled. They may not be the best shooters. They may not have the most heft, you know, and the most height, but they're going to battle. And and that's all you can ask for because there's enough teams with a bunch of soft-ass big men that I think guys like Javante Green and, and Derrick Jones Jr. can kind of influence with their play and just their, you know, their aggressive nature. So Derrick Jones Jr. has been put in a role that he is handling well, and also the Bulls need to get themselves another big. All right, last call here. I'm not calling this last call with Q. He doesn't need his own segment or oh anything like God, that. Oh, my God, that's the last thing own, Q needs. Yeah, exactly. He's already got his bourbon video spotted <laughs> on Twitter. So this happens to be the last call, and it happens to be Q, but he's got a question for you. All right, let's get it. There's a new Call of Duty, and there's a new sheriff in town. Both look good, man. Hey, look, I got a long road trip ahead of me on Friday, so I can't wait to hear it. I'm going to save this podcast for a little bit later, but I do want to ask you this question. In honor of Virgil Abloh, the coolest cat out of Rockford, Illinois, in the history of Rockford, Illinois. What's the best Virgil Abloh off-white Nike collab that you have ever seen? I know they're unreleased, but for me personally, I think it's the Jordan 2 that's coming out because 
let's admit it, the Jordan 2's trash. And that's the shoe that only killed Jordan. <laughs> and the 3 had to bring him back. So Virgil made it cool again, just like everything else he did. So, hey, man, uh, nothing but love and appreciate you. Bye. Oh, man, I got Q from the north side. Nothing but love for you too, Q. Yeah, you know, I'm a... I'm partial to that that off-white North Carolina blue Jordan 1. Uh really really big fan of that shoe. Also, that um was it the the Air Jordan uh 4, the sale white ones? Those. Like I have the off-white 5s, the 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 sale 5s, but those those 4s, I mean, classic silhouette, classic profile and then you get, you know, you get that 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 nice banana pudding vibe, you know, in terms of the texture and the and the color. Yeah. I it, listen, there, there weren't a lot of things that Virgil did that were poor, right? And there were a lot of things that he did that were exceptional and, and, and revolutionary. So yeah, if I were to choose two, I'd have to go with those North Carolina blue uh off white Jordan ones or those sale white fours uh that that look so look so clean no matter what. Those like I'm not even a guy who like boxes my shoes and won't even, you know, won't wear them, won't touch them except for special occasions. But if I had those, I probably, probably had to put those on ice, pull those out for special occasions, you know, at Easter here or there, or, you know, one of my enemies' funerals, one of the two, you know, something like that. Uh, pull a big Fendi, you know, pick, <laughs> pull up at your funeral and take a picture in the off-white fours just to, just to make sure you did that kind of vibe. But nah, man, Shout out to Q from the North Side. Shout out to all of our callers. We appreciate you so much. The voicemail line is always open for you. 773-359-3103. 773-359-3103. It only took me almost 40 episodes to memorize that number. Make sure you keep it close to you. We'll keep, continue to throw out all of our questions and uh, the, the topics of the day or anything that's happening in sports and music, pop culture, whatever the case may be. You know where to hit us up at. The voicemail line for the Full Go Podcast. What? What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. We want to thank Sebastian Maniscalco for joining us today. Head to SebastianLive.com to see him live at the United Center this weekend. December 11th, I believe, is sold out, but there's still tickets for December 12th Saturday show, so make sure you are in the place to be. We'll be back Thursday night as we turn the page to Packers Week. Plus, we'll recap Bulls versus Cavs and look ahead to this weekend's matchup with the Heat. Also, we just taped an incredible, I mean, I think one of the best conversations I've probably had in my career with legendary producer, extraordinary hip-hop historian, teacher, educator, the man, the myth, the legend, Ninth Wonder. So stay tuned to the full go for that episode coming out soon. Shout out to the little brother, by the way, who finally regained control of their debut album, The Listening. Feel free to stream it guilt-free right here on Spotify as soon as you're done listening to this. And don't forget to hit us up, like I said, on the voicemail line, 773-359-3103. Thank you to our producers, as always, Steve Cerruti, Chris Tannehill, and Jesse Lopez. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff, thanking you once again for sharing, downloading, subscribing and listening to and rating reviewing this podcast the way you have i appreciate everything that you put into this thing and thank you for consuming it as you have as always y'all be safe out there and take care of each other